Hi everyone, my name is Sophia. And I'm Prerak. And this is Red, White, and Brown, a podcast where we talk about the joys and struggles of being Desi immigrants. And today, Sophia, we're going to talk about a topic that I feel we've touched on in previous episodes but never explicitly discussed. This is the topic of studying and how to be a good student. And the reason I think this is relevant is because there's a stereotype, and I'm sure you've heard this, that Daisies are overachievers or that Daisies are always studying. And this stereotype was actually hinted at in one of our first episodes when we talked about why do Daisy parents want their kids to be doctors, lawyers, or engineers. These are all careers where you have to obviously study a lot, right? And so clearly education is important to us, but I do think there are misconceptions that we need to clear up that I think individuals would benefit from. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're sitting here um, about to graduate from medical school, and you you have an MD MBA, so you know we have five degrees between the two of us, and so I think we have uh, some you know some relevant experience here, and we could you know have a thing or two to say about studying and being a student. Absolutely. So why don't we start with the elephant in the room? Clearly, there's a stereotype that Daisies love education especially for their kids, right? Like my dad told me that his mom would always be making him study. And I can tell you growing up, whenever I was awake, my mom would be like, why don't you go study? (laughs) So it's clearly a top priority from my experience, both here and in the homeland based on my dad's experience. But I want to ask you, Sophia, do you agree with this stereotype? So overall, yeah, I do think that education is a value in South Asian culture that's considered really important. And obviously like several other cultures also value education but i think you know here in the u.s for example you don't hear that every white person or every black person is forcing their kid to become a doctor in the same way that you know south South asians Asians do Mm -hmm. um i feel like it's just the norm in our culture to expect or pressure children to go into certain fields like medicine or engineering and so as a group i think we're definitely more loud about our you know love for school I think I'll agree with you there too. I do think that the stereotype is accurate. Um, And after all, even if you look at Bollywood, you'll see that Bollywood reflects this stereotype as well. And it talks about how only the bright and the most amazing people will succeed. So for example, if you remember the movie Three Idiots, there's literally a scene um, at the very beginning of the movie where the principal, his name is Virus, I believe, is talking about how education is important and that if you don't if you aren't like the fastest person or the best person, you're going to get left behind. And I just think that this scene is very emblematic of the way that they see people view education. So I want to play that scene for you and hear your thoughts. Well, let's do it. But I will say, I don't think his name is Virus. I'm pretty sure the students just called him Virus. Oh, yeah. Nickname. You're right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's play it. nest. <laughs> Sir, Goyal bird ke nest. Oh. Goyal apna ghosla kabhi nahi banati. Wo apne ande dusron ke ghosle mein rakhti. Aur jab uske bacche is duniya mein aate hain to sabse pehle kya karte? Wo bacche dusre ando ko dhakka maar ke ghosle se gira dete hain. Competition over. The life begins in murder. That's nature. Compete or die. Remember, life is a race. If you don't run away, then no one will run away. 
So I feel like a lot of parents also sort of do this thing where they really make it seem like you're going to be on the streets begging for money if you don't get like a graduate <laughs> degree even. Um, there's a lot of like fear mongering around this sort of thing. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's definitely pros to having such a high amount of value on education, such as the education paying dividends in the long run, right? Like if you had asked me 10 years ago if medicine is worth it, I probably would have said no. And now that I'm graduating, I'm seeing like, actually, yeah, I can see like how it is worth it, right? So that's a pro. But there are also several cons, especially within the Desi community. And it's this fact that so many of us put a premium on education that when someone isn't going to stick to what we think they should do, it often is like seen as shameful in our in our community, right? And because of that, kids and students are often impacted mentally because they simply cannot keep up with this pressure. It's like, if you didn't get into Harvard, like what the hell were you doing your whole life, you know? And that's kind of the pressure that I see a lot of Desi kids face, especially because of this comparison. Have you seen this? Um, Yes and no. I mean, so I agree with you. I think that our understanding of success is very narrow, especially compared to, I would say, Americans in general. It's, um, you know, certain fields are valued a lot more above other fields. And there's, you know, the whole obsession with prestige and whatnot. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then I also think, yeah, obviously, there is a lot of pressure on students to perform well. And like, I haven't personally seen anyone develop mental health challenges due to it, but I think it happens a lot. It just maybe hasn't happened to anyone close enough to me that they would confide in me about it. Mm -hmm. um, but or they're hush-hush about it, right? Because our community is a little quiet on these things as well. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, I mean, I agree with that. I think there are a lot of students who I've seen who like are not academically inclined though and like they'll still go to university and like struggle through it just barely passing and like sometimes it does make me wonder if that pressure to go to college and grad school just for the sake of getting those degrees is you know not always a good use of time and money um in some cases and i feel like a lot of families who have children who are not that academically inclined cannot even imagine not sending their kid to college and like having them pursue something else instead, like a trade or whatever else, you know? It would be absolutely out of the question. I think I agree with you. And obviously, I think we have to put the caveat out that we go to Yale. And <laughs> and so, yes, the prestige thing is something that we talk about. But unfortunately, I think it's like something we can just say because I think we are in a position where we were lucky enough to get in here. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I do think you're right. We do place a large amount of emphasis on prestige. And I don't think that's correct. But I also want to pivot to the fact that it this pressure is even worse when you consider that universities and higher forms of education are more competitive today than ever before. Mm -hmm. So I actually did a, a bit of research on this. In 1975, only about 3.2% of students applying to college, and this is percent, so you can standardize, right, applied to more than seven colleges. Today, seven or more applications is the norm. Like, Sophia, your your brother just applied to college, right? I'm pretty sure he applied to more than seven. Yeah, probably like 20 or so. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just one example. The other piece of data I want to say is the acceptance rate for Harvard's 1995 freshman class, and we're using Harvard here only because they keep pretty accurate data on this stuff. Um, in 1995, the acceptance rate was 11.8%. And in 2020, the acceptance rate was 4.92%. 
So, and this can now be applicable to universities across the U.S. Oh, yeah. So, in today's day and age, it's getting harder and harder to stand out. And I think this is especially tough for Daisy parents to digest because that also means studying more will not always produce better results, right? With that being said, Sophia, you literally have two Ivy League degrees under your belt now. What do you think about this competition? And do you think there's a certain way that people can stand out in today's like competitive world that maybe is different from 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And you hit the nail on the head where studying more is not always going to yield like acceptances to the most competitive schools just because applications are increasing so much faster than the seats at these schools are increasing. And so, um, no, you're absolutely right. I think it's it's really important to tell a story with your application, um, you know, and, and you can say I'm interested in X, Y, Z or I'm passionate about X, Y, Z. But that's not nearly as convincing as showing it, right? You want to show it, not tell it. Because anyone can just say anything, you know? I can claim to be interested in, like, anything that I want. But... You can claim to be interested in Daisy culture and then <laughs> not be able to show it. But, for example, this podcast is a way to show it, right? Like, So that's exactly. kind of like what you're alluding to, I think, right? That's exactly what I'm alluding to. Um, you know, you should be able to tell a story that's cohesive and that makes sense with all of the activities that you participated in, maybe the courses that you took. You know, you can say, like, I, I took this course and that led me to be interested in this topic. And then I participated in this activity and that furthered my interest in the topic. And then I did this other activity that, like, helped me learn about this unique aspect of the topic and, like, all of this you know, all of that kind of proves that you're interested because saying it on your application or saying it in your essays, like that doesn't really mean anything if you don't have anything to back it up with. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I still think grades and test scores are still important and those are used to filter candidates in and out. But I think that storytelling piece of it is really key. And then I, I also think the other thing that's really important is um, kind of, you know, talking about a challenge that you see in the world and how you want to contribute to fixing it is mm -hmm. really compelling Yeah, because we're facing a lot of challenges today, whether that's like with the environment, whether that's with, you know, wealth disparities or whatever it is. Um, I think the best students are able to like show why they're passionate about some issue and show how they plan to use their education to fix that issue. Um, but again, you can't just say it. You have to show it. You have to prove it, you know? Yeah, let me provide an example, Sophia, and see if this fits the bill. My younger cousin is super into like sustainability and environmental justice. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to say that you're interested in that, right? Who wouldn't be? But then she started an Instagram page. She started a club at her school. And again, this is a high school student. And I was so impressed by that because as someone who you know, knows that a lot of people care about this, that's the difference between showing and telling, right? Like you can't just say things. You think you have to have certain actions that show that you care enough. I completely agree. I think that's a great example. And, you know, for, at the high school student level, at the college student level, um, I think it's just all about putting some action behind your words. And, and obviously, yeah, at the high school level, like starting a club at your school might be like the main thing that you can do. But as you, you know, progress further through your education, you can do like a lot more and the opportunities will just open up. But um, for anything, yeah, you just having being able to tell a cohesive story with all of your activities, I think, 
um, will make you stand out to anything that you apply for. So on top of that, I think we also need to have a bigger emphasis on systems rather than just focusing on memorization. And we, uh, again, have had an episode on this, Sophia, right, where theses just love to memorize for the sake of memorizing. <laughs> but I can tell you some things that have gone way further for me is just learning to be inquisitive and curious. Like that would take me much farther than a 4.0 ever could. And trust me, I think I've gotten, <laughs> not to pat myself on the back, I've gotten good grades. But I think the thing that has allowed me to really stand out is just being curious. So similarly, while grades are important, I don't think they're the, like the whole story. And just creating that aspect of being curious can take you uh, much further. Um, personally, for example, the best activity I ever did in middle school and high school was cross country and track because that showed me the power of like work ethic and growth mindset and resilience. And those are the types of things and qualities that you really want to foster because those things will keep you alive when things just seem so down, especially when you're like at our stage, Sophia, right? Like medical school, taking nine hour board exams, having those characteristics take you way farther than like an A plus in organic chemistry. Um, did you ever have instances like this where like maybe you did an activity that wasn't like textbook, like maybe like chemistry, and instead you did like something else, but you learned qualities that took you much further than than a class ever could? Mm, so there's not a specific thing that's coming to mind, but I think just the combination of, you know, balancing like a full course load with all the activities that I was doing. Um, I used to work at this library in undergrad and like, it was a really chill job just because you, you would sit at a desk and you could basically do your homework and like <laughs> once in a while some patron would come and patron. ask some questions <laughs> and, um, you know, it was a really chill job, but I think just balancing that and like knowing that, okay, I have to be here at this time and um, kind of using college in general as like an opportunity to grow up and like learn to be responsible and stuff. Adulting? You know, adulting, yeah. <laughs> All of that, I think, I think that was that was important. There's nothing from high school or middle school though that comes to mind. I know you mentioned track. I feel like when I was in high school and middle school, my parents definitely thought that grades and stuff were the most important thing, and I really had to kind of fight to do any extracurricular activities. Like, I feel like I was in one club at school, mm -hmm. um, and I did do activities, but not as many as I feel like I wanted to, and like. It almost felt like my parents thought that extracurricular activities were just for fun, but in reality, you really can't get into a good college or, you know, um, even at the grad school level without having good extracurricular activities. So I think, I think they're maybe a little bit less important than grades and test scores just because grades and test scores can be used to filter you in and out of things, but I think they're, they're still super, super important. And I will say, I think as you get further on, like we're in medical school, I think extracurriculars speak much louder. Like, for example, this podcast, I can't tell you how many times I got asked about it during interviews. Oh, me too. Yeah, right? So it just me shows too. you like when you do something, people are curious about it. So now, Sophia, let me ask you a pretty interesting question. If I asked you what was the most meaningful lesson you took away from your high school and middle school days that allowed you to become the superstar student that you are today and future pediatrician that you're going to be, what would you say? That's a tough one just because I personally feel like middle school and high school were not very fun for me. They were not. No, they were not. Oh. Um, and I, I don't feel like I was doing that many extracurricular activities and having these types of experiences, kind of like you running track and all of that, just because, as I said, like, 
I think my parents were very much focused on just like school and grades and taking like all the AP classes and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that time in my life was a time when I really just like put my head down and worked hard and school was by far like my top priority. And, um, and I think that when you're young, school can be the priority and it's fine just because like as you get older, you know, things are going to change. Sometimes you might find yourself juggling more responsibilities. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world that my middle school and high school days were not so fun. But um, I think reading as much as you can at a young age is, oh, yeah. is important. Like I read a lot um, through, I mean, through my childhood, but even through middle school and high school. But I think just learning about the world um, through books really opens up your your understanding of the world. And like, I think it comes in handy a lot, just like, you can learn so much about like different parts of the world, different cultures, and even history. Even if you're just reading fiction, like you can still pick up a lot so of, much. You know, a lot of information. So Yeah. I can tell you all of the smart people I know read so much. Okay. So another big question I have for you, Sophia, is do you agree that being a good student is more than just good grades? Um, I do. Why don't you answer this first? Because obviously we both, we both agree with that. Um, I mean, I phrased it in a way that it would be very tough to disagree. So that's my <laughs> fault. But I think yes. No, no. We, I think we both know that we, we agree. Why don't you answer first and then I'll add on to whatever you say. Yeah. So I do think that being a good student is more important, is more, is more than just good grades, right? I think there's a lot more to it. And I think the best way to kind of become the best student possible is to spend a lot of time finding points of interest that you love to do. So what do I mean by this? So Sophia, when you said elementary and middle school were hard for you, I would argue that in a way it was still helpful because you were figuring out what you liked. Did you like history? Did you like math? Did you like science? But as you go through these things and you find what you like, Um, you will slowly realize that that's what you should do. And the person that comes to mind here who kind of preaches this more than anyone else is Steve Jobs. And I recently read his biography, speaking of reading. I've been reading a lot more, and I can tell you everything you said is true. But Steve Jobs has a biography written by Walter Isaacson. And in that biography, it talks a lot about Steve Jobs' philosophy. And he even has a speech where he says that, So you should basically find your passion. And once you have that, everything else becomes secondary. And he talks about this in a speech that he gave at Stanford in the commencement in, I think, 2008. So let's play a part of that speech now because I cry almost every time I hear this speech. And it's one of the best speeches of all time. And it will be linked in the show notes. And let's play it now. Sometimes life's going to hit you in the head with a brick. Don't lose faith. I'm convinced that the only thing that kept me going was that I loved what I did. You've got to find what you love, and that is as true for work as it is for your lovers. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life, and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work, and the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking, and don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know when you find it, and like any great relationship, it just gets better and better as the years roll on. So keep looking. Don't settle. So you'll see that he says finding what you love is what really can help you settle the deal when like life throws all these curveballs at you. And it sounds super sappy, but I think this like makes me cry sometimes because it's really the best thing. Once you figure out what you like, you want to create systems that make learning about those things more enjoyable. And from there, 
you know, gravitate more towards the things you like and away from things you don't like. And actually, college helps you do this, right? Why do you think colleges have majors? Well, they want you to figure out what you like, take classes there, major in those things. And then guess what? What do you do after college? Well, if you're interested in medicine, you go to medical school where you can further focus on that one thing that you really like. And so I think the systems uh, in the world are kind of created to optimize for this. But I genuinely think that all of this essentially first boils down to figuring out what you like. Yeah, I think that can sometimes be the hardest part, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of people who get to college and they're not really sure what they like. Um, I think that's that's more common than you would expect. Mm -hmm. Like, even though you have to declare a major and stuff when you apply, um, I definitely think a lot of people are just not sure. And, and there's no, like, set path for, like, you know, how do I figure out what I like? You just have to do a lot of things mm -hmm. and, and throw yourself into different things, and a lot of which you might not like, and that's just part of the process. But um, I don't know. I, I also think that, like, part of education in the U.S. at least is learning about different jobs that are out there. And I mm -hmm. think that's a really big part of being a good student. Like, I think that when we're young, we just see the jobs around us. Like, you know, you know that the job options are like nurse, teacher, policeman, firefighter, things like that. People you see out there. Exactly. Exactly. Like you only know about those common jobs and then like the jobs that your parents do. Mm -hmm. um, but then later in college, it's like, yeah, you get exposed to more, but it's still so limited. Like you just see people going to like either med school, law school, or like doing a finance job or a consulting job. And like most jobs outside of those paths seem like unconventional, but there's like a million different job types out there, you know, like there are so many unique things that people do that can capitalize on different skills and um, strengths. And it's like, it's almost like a whole other course to like learn about the different jobs that are out there, you know? And you're already hinting at a huge, huge, like key takeaway of this episode, which is talk to people, right? Like talk to a lot of people. I wish I had known that earlier. Don't hesitate. When you're a student, people love talking to students. Like say you are figuring stuff out. I'd love to learn what you do. Would you be down to talk for 10 minutes? And I can't tell you how many people I've learned about careers that I never knew existed because I asked about them. Yeah. Um, so that was just one high yield tip. But Sophia, let's end our show with some more high yield tips that we should be able to give to any student at any stage of studying. And I think these tips should relate to like the end goal of having a good career and job down the road and kind of showing how a good student is more than just good grades. So with that in mind, what are some tips that come to mind for you that work well for you and maybe you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I mean, I think one big thing that comes to mind is supplementing your academic coursework with like more quote unquote real world experiences. Um, and that can be like through internships or through jobs or whatever. And like, so on one hand, I, I feel like I want to tell students to seek out those internships and like unpaid opportunities that will help them like get access to experiences and exposures that like, you know, they otherwise wouldn't get. And like, they can then bring those to their coursework or to future jobs and all of that. Um, but there's also another part of me that recognizes that unpaid opportunities like that are really only helpful to students who have the privilege of not needing to work and earn money. Yeah, um, kudos to that. And so it's like, it's tough because like these types of opportunities, like students who aren't as wealthy are not often able to take advantage of unpaid opportunities. And so like the gap between students of different socioeconomic statuses widens. 
Um, so it's kind of a controversial issue, but I do think that like opportunities outside the classroom are um, really helpful. And I don't think your first job or internship should should come after you graduate. That's for sure. It's a fantastic tip. Um, I think for me, the one tip I would give is to take everything in stride. So studying is going to come with ups and downs, good grades, bad grades, anxiety, happiness. But just take everything with a grain of salt and have faith that whatever it is that you are feeling is normal. So whether that's, oh, I took this class and I failed, well, take that as a sign that this you know field may not be the best for you. If you take a class and it makes you really happy, take that as a sign. Just remember that any feeling you feel, and Sophia, I can tell you, and maybe you agree or disagree, but I think I've felt every emotion you can possibly have as I've studied over the last 10 years. I've been anxious, I've been sad, I've been happy, um, and all of that is normal. So just take it all in stride and put your best foot forward and just follow your intuition. I think it, it has a good way of telling you what's right. That's a good point. I think you're right that whatever you're feeling is a, a really good sign for, um, you know, what you're interested in or what you're not. I think a lot of students, like, they come into maybe undergrad thinking, like, okay, I want to go to med school. I'm pre-med. And, like, they're not really enjoying their science classes, but they're just, like, forcing it. I've, I've definitely seen that quite a bit. Yep. Um, don't don't just like like something because people tell you that you should like it. You know, people say like this job is amazing. Well, if you do it and you don't like it, well, that's normal. If you don't like that, that's your feeling is normal. You're not supposed to be uh, the same as other people. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, now that we're having this discussion, I can think back to undergrad and like there were so many people in my like chemistry and organic chemistry and bio classes that like really were not enjoying it but like still wanted to go to med school and it's kind of tough because it's like it gets it only gets harder you know yep like it's not gonna get any easier like if general chemistry is like super super difficult for you like that's really bad news for like you know all of medical school because we literally order chemistries on every it, patient exactly <laughs> like it literally just builds on top of that and and like sometimes people will say like oh like you know, you don't need to know about organic chemistry for medical school. Like, we're learning all this stuff, and it's just, like, theory, and, like, there's no doctor who's, like, counting the electrons and whatever. And, yeah. like, yeah, there's an argument to be made there, but I, I do think that, like, all through medical school and, like, even in residency and after, it's, like, those scientific principles, like, they never go away. Yeah, and even for organic chemistry, I'd argue, like, um, the principles you learn there, not the specific molecules, but this aspect of like open-ended problem solving is very important. And that's like kind of medicine in a nutshell, right? So potato, potato, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, I think we have a couple more tips. Um, uh, I know we didn't we didn't talk about this before the episode, but we've talked about this like all the time, separately, all the time off air. And so like, one thing I definitely want to touch on is spaced repetition, which I have realized is super important. And, you know, spaced repetition is the reason why studying every day over two weeks is better than just studying the two days before, mm -hmm. right? It's it's why cramming is so bad because you're not seeing the content in a way that... Um, long-term retention. Exactly. That facilitates long-term retention. Yeah, exactly. And like before med school, I never thought about spaced repetition because I feel like the quantity of information that I was dealing with in undergrad was more manageable. Mm -hmm. But like in med school, there's just a lot higher quantity of information and there's a lot of memorization as well um, that I, I think 
spaced repetition is like not really optional it just becomes like necessary what do you think I have like a whole YouTube series on this, so I'm not going to bore the audience. <laughs> I will link the YouTube series on space repetition below. I've created like 80 videos on this. It's an area of interest I've published on this. Um, so all that to say, I 100% agree with everything you're saying. What was your second tip? Second tip was like, I think an approach to material that is focused on questions is super important. And like in science. Wait, and wait math, what do you mean by focused on questions? So, like, you know, in science and math courses, there's, like, practice problems. Mm. Um, and I think that's often, like, the most important thing that you can do. It's also, like, the most challenging part of school, I think, is, you know, working through different problems and, like, trying to sort of understand the material on a deeper level mm -hmm. by going through the process of, like, struggling through these problems, you know, trying different things, seeing what works, what doesn't work, Um and, and But I think even outside of math and science, like, in situations where there are not necessarily practice problems, like, you can still think about the topics at hand and, like, ask hypothetical questions, you know, whether it's, like, philosophical questions or whatever else. Um, but there's, like, a way to kind of approach things um, with questions in mind to, like, deepen your understanding of the topic. What do you think? I do this all the time as, as I'm working because you don't always have to ask yourself questions that are practice problems. But for example, in the hospital, here's a way to approach it. A patient comes in with like some symptom, maybe it's like altered mental status. You do a few lab tests. You should already be asking yourself, if the lab test come back, comes back positive, what am I going to do? If the lab test comes back negative, what am I going to do? And by asking yourself these questions, just notice how you're already kind of planning ahead. And that puts you like five to 10 seconds ahead of like everyone else. Because you're really like forcing yourself to realize like, what is the situation? How do I deal with it? And notice how this is real life now, right? This isn't just a practice problem, but those practice problems gear you up to be successful when real patients arrive, because you're asking yourself the same questions that you would have when you're by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And even outside of medicine, I think it still works, even in like a business context yep. and just thinking about like, oh, hypothetically, like if this condition was different, like how would that change things? Mm -hmm. um, or if my boss agrees to this, what's the next steps? If my boss doesn't like this, what's the next steps? Or if this project goes through, how do we approach like X, Y, and Z? I think those sorts of questions are just so, so important. Yeah. So those are kind of the two tips that, that came to mind for me. Um, if we think of any others, we can, we can always do another episode <laughs> on this topic. <laughs> we have so much to say. We do, we do. But I think this about wraps us up for now. So thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. And if you can give us a nice rating and review, that would be amazing. Um, and then you can follow us on Instagram at Red White Brown Pod, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.